Well, a little over 10 years ago, I was doing a program at WTJU and got an email asking if this group Tarka from Colorado could stop by. And I, of course, said yes after listening to their music. And that allowed me to be introduced to Enyan Peltatiller, one of the founding members. And hopefully she's out there because we've got a whole album to talk about. You there, Enyan? I'm here. Hey, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thrilled to have you. For those who don't know you, Enyan, let's talk about your background, going back to your childhood, which kind of gets this whole album kicked off. That it does. Um, so I started playing violin when I was three years old. Um, my parents are, were at the time kind of amateur musicians and huge music fans. Um, and my father in particular was a fan of Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. So I was literally born to the sounds of those musicians and their band. Um, and so when I was three years old, my parents were, you know, they'd go into Golden Gate Park. We lived in San Francisco at the time. And they would busk sometimes on the weekends. And I think they thought it would be, you know, kind of a cool thing <laughs> to have, um, have their little kid with a violin um, playing along with them and maybe help help the income a little bit. So um, I started playing at the Community Music Center in San Francisco. I took lessons there. At that time, it was run by the great jazz pianist who now lives here, Art Landy, um, who's become something of a friend. And um, my second teacher at the Community Music Center a fellow named Walter Ayers was a big fan of early jazz violin. And he gave me like some Stefan Grappelli and Joe Venuti solos from, um, I think it was, there was a book that I believe Matt Glazer and some other folks put together in the eighties that had transcriptions of those solos. So I sort of got introduced to the idea that I could play that music pretty early on. And from there, um, you know, when I was assigned pieces by Bach, having heard the Grappelli, Eddie South, Django Reinhardt recording of the Bach double violin concerto, where they swing it, um, I thought I'd try that too. And that sort of got me interested in improvisation and jazz, um, as well as having played folk music, fiddle tunes, bluegrass, Irish tunes, etc. with my parents. But it didn't occur to me until much later that I could make a career of it until um, pretty much until I got out of college and moved to New York and started um, looking for ways to be involved in music that didn't involve being part of the classical music community, which didn't, I don't know, I didn't fit in so well there, <laughs> or it didn't fit me so well. Um, and so at that time, busking the jazz tunes and fiddle tunes that I knew in the subway, I just really improvising. I met my husband, David Tiller, um, and 
we started playing music together um, after having met in a band called Brooklyn Browngrass. And um, that was the seed of what became Tarka. And then, you know, 10 years after that, we met you wow. <laughs> in Charlottesville. Well, and I should mention, you talked about your parents getting you involved as a young fiddler for busking. And not that you and David have done this, but your son, Aesop, has become a very accomplished bass player. And I heard Tell has been playing out with Tarka. Yes, he has. And actually, you know, he, he has been a busker in his life, both with us and on his own. He started out on fiddle. And about two years ago, he decided that he wanted to do something. He wanted to do what he viewed as the most useful job to us. That's how we see it. Okay. <laughs> so he became a bass player and is just on fire with it. Um, he has sort of dedicated his teen life largely to the, the pursuit of learning jazz, um, which has in turn inspired me to dig into it more myself, although the genesis of this record we're going to talk about predates that. But um, yeah, he's got, he's playing out with us. Uh, he did last, not this past summer, but the previous summer, we did a whole tour with him on bass. And when we do shows as Tarka, um, unless we can't get him because he's booked elsewhere, which is happening, um, he's our bass player. And it's really it's great, you know, he's got stuff to learn because he's just 15, but um, I really enjoy the way that he plays our music and the spin that he puts on it that's very much his own. Well, as I met you and David with Tarka coming through the East Coast, I've heard Aesop's jazz group play, and I'm looking forward to them doing an East Coast tour as well. Yeah, I, I hope they they're called Days, that's D-A-E-S, and they're doing cool stuff, lots of original compositions and stuff, so we hope that they'll, uh, they'll get out there. Well, until that happens, how about we talk about this great new album, Dedicated Dig, coming out October 2nd. On yes. Bandcamp. Yes. Now... This album, as you said, of course, and we're going to hear each of the tracks as we go through it. Obviously, Django and Stefan play a big part. So when did you start putting this idea together? So in, in January of 2020, it was the last East Coast tour that Tarka took before the pandemic. And um, just a couple months prior I was actually I was doing a duo gig with my friend Natalie Padilla who's a wonderful fiddler in a number of styles and we were talking and she said you know if you put out a swing album I would listen to it I would be so excited for that and I um I kind of had because we'd had Tarka going strong for years I hadn't thought that much about doing a solo album but she help plant that seed in my mind and of course i love i love arranging music for strings i love arranging music for string quartet i grew up listening to the turtle island string quartet i you know studied with 
Daryl Anger a little bit and David Bella Christian a little bit, both founders of that group. And um, love both of their distinct approaches of arranging for strings. So I woke up one morning because I have all my best ideas when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, I should, I should arrange some of this early swing jazz music that I love so much for string quartet. And I should have Daryl Anger involved. And I have to think about who else I want involved, but I know some great string playing friends back home in Colorado. And so I got up and I started writing down like all these ideas and the tunes I wanted to do and, and kind of selected a handful of tunes from my childhood um, that I really loved listening to and maybe tried to learn a little bit, even in my very early days of playing. Um, and also, you know, thinking too about my parents aging and wanting to, because they gave me this gift of music, wanting to give them something um, in return that was really referential to the musical upbringing that they gave me. So um, yeah, I sat down and, and figured out a bunch of tunes I might like to arrange in this way. And then, you know, that wasn't quite enough to fill an album. So um, I thought I'd also uh, combine it with some tunes with more traditional sort of hot club band arrangement um, and make an album of it. And so that was in January of 2020. And then things got put on hold yeah. <laughs> for a little while, as we all remember. Um, so we didn't get to the actual recording of the album till the whole pandemic mess started to calm down. And um, I had some studio time in exchange for some arranging work I'd done at a wonderful studio in Denver called Mighty Fine Productions, which is where so many incredible, both um, sort of bluegrass folk string band artists have recorded and the majority of our jazz artists here have recorded as well. Um, so I booked a couple days in uh, late 2021 and um, got to work writing my arrangements and uh, dragged everybody in the studio for a couple days to, to make this record that we're talking about. Well, we are going to start listening to the first of the nine tracks, but I do want to mention we're getting not only a swing quartet, but also a string quartet. And we're going to start with the string quartet in just one moment doing Jangology. And I do want to first though mention, of course, you talked about Daryl Anger, but also in the string quartet, we've got Coleman Smith and Joy Adams, Joy on cello and Coleman on five string violin. Yes. So how did you settle on those four? Well, Daryl's is a pretty obvious choice. I've been listening yeah. to Daryl pretty much my whole life. And um, when I moved back to the West Coast 20 years ago, sought him out to 
study with him a bit and we became friends and have worked together a fair amount at this point. Um, he's hired me for stuff. He's played on Turka albums and we play together whenever we have a chance. And um, so his, his voice has been in my ears for so long. Um, and his active violin playing especially is like just so groovy. So it kind of couldn't happen without him. And kind of somewhat through Daryl, I met Joy Adams. He's lived out here in Colorado for uh, four or five years. Um, she was doing some Republic of String stuff with him. Um, but she's also the partner of my friend, Andy Reiner, um, who I can't tell you how I met Andy. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, yeah, through them, both I met Joy and we've had a handful of opportunities to play together. Um, and I just love playing with Joy and love her spirit and energy. And she's got such a nice solid groove too. I thought that it would be fun to have her on the sort of cello bass in the cello bass chair. And then um, Pullman is a great... He's a great bluegrass fiddler. He's actually touring with the Under Mountain String Band right now and um, plays with a wonderful band called Rapid Grass. And the Rapid Grass guys are also big Django fans. Um, actually, there's this whole side project they do called Gypsy Cattle Drive that Coleman plays in also. But um, he grew up in Texas playing Western Swing and Django Jazz. And um, he's just so fun to play with and has a great vibe and energy. So um, I thought it would be fun to do this project with them because we haven't played together a whole lot. So I thought it would be a nice way to get to know each other better musically. Well, let's give a listen to the first track, Jangology. And I think folks probably recognize that name. So let's listen to that and then come back and talk about your interpretation as you arranged this piece so those just tuning in we have Enyan pelted teller with us as we go track by track through her new album dedicated dig coming out on october 2nd <laughs> Thank you. 
Jangology from Dedicated Dig from the Onion Pelta Tiller Quartet. And we've got Onion with us as we go track by track through this new album out October 2nd. So, Onion, first, why that piece? It's it's one of my favorite Django tunes to play. It's, um, you know, the harmonic progression is a little bit different from a lot of his compositions. It's, he, he based a lot of his writing around rhythm changes or minor blues. And so just the way that the harmony works in this one is a little bit different. Um, the melody really just sticks in my mind. And also, I mean, I, I sort of pegged the start of this idea back in the fall of 2019, but I forgot to mention that um, when I was on a little writing retreat, the, the guys, David and Asap, had gone out of town. Um, I had access to our recording studio and just decided to kind of make a little sketch of this tune to get some practice, you know, playing, playing bass on the cello and things like that. And so it was, it was really the first arrangement I started putting together spontaneously. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's such an elegant piece of music. At least that's, that's the way I see it. And I think that's the way we interpreted it. The sort of, almost ballroom simmer. Now, when it. you were arranging this, did you already have the quartet lined up? So were you writing for the strengths of each of them? Or were you writing this, okay, this is where I would have a cello come in or a five-string violin or the sound of a octave violin? So I, I did um, kind of write this just with the concept of a string quartet in mind without thinking very specifically about who I was going to have at that point because, um, you know, it's just, just sort of the seed of the idea and I really kept the arrangement pretty close to my original sketch that I that I came up with um, back in 2019. Now, I'm curious. Did you try to divorce yourself from Django's recording as you were doing this, so that you could then just find your own voice and how you wanted to do it, or were you allowing yourself sometimes to listen to it as you were arranging things? For this one, I think I really. You know, this is music that I've played a whole lot. Um, so I definitely work in the Django jazz circuit around here. So I was really relying on my my own knowledge of the, the tune and sort of my experience of playing it in the musical culture here. Um, so I listened to it to check on some things, but not as deeply as maybe some of the other pieces that we're going to hear. Speaking of other pieces, we're coming up to Calcutta Cutie. Calcutta Cutie is a horse silver tune. Um, I, I believe it's off of Song for My Father. And it's 
not a tune that's often played, but it was one of my dad's, it is one of my dad's favorite Horace Silver tunes. I mean, he listened to that whole record a lot um, when I was growing up, but that particular tune and um, the, the horn arranging on that recording um, was something that he really loved. So I grew up hearing it a lot and came to love it myself. And um, there's actually, we went to an early Turtle Island concert um, when I was a kid and he, he was talking to Katrina Reed, the violist at the time, and said, you know, you guys should play Calcutta Cutie. And she said, actually, you know, it's on my music stand something that I'm thinking about arranging for the group. And obviously it never happened. So it's my sort of attempt to, <laughs> to do something that they never got around to because it's, I mean, it, it practically arranged itself. Um, it's, it really just fit the, the medium of the quartet so beautifully.
Cut a cutie from the upcoming release, Dedicated Dig from the Enyan Peltatiller Quartet. And we've got Enyan with us as we go track by track. And Enyan, as you are introducing Calcutta Cutie, you're talking about one of your father's favorites. And that brings up the question of the title of the album, Dedicated Dig. It's a funny title. I know it doesn't quite roll off the tongue. <laughs> um, and, and you could take it many ways. But I, I, the album is a dedication. It's a dedication to my parents and my musical mentors. And it's sort of a, a dig, an archaeological dig into my musical past through all these songs that I grew up loving. So... That's uh, that's what I came up with. I consulted a bunch of friends, and and we all agreed <laughs> that was the best way to handle the subject. Well, you talk about the dedication to your parents and Daryl, but also the great Ron Miles. Yes. So Ron um, was someone I had very dearly hoped to have on this album. There's a, a piece by Bach, the um, invention in F major, Symphonia number eight in F major, it's called both, both things. Um, but Ron was sort of, hey, he was a beautiful champion of mine um, throughout my time living in Colorado. Like we met on a gig with Jamie Stone back in 2010 or something like that. And with Jamie played together a handful of times and also um, Ron hired me for his band on 
one occasion, which was a terrific honor. Um, but we would talk occasionally. And then when he started teaching at Metro State University or had started having a position of um, authority where he could hire people there, um, he kept trying to get me hired there, which never worked out because I didn't have a master's degree, but I'm taking care of that right now. So this time in schools also dedicated to Ron, but Ron is, he was such a beautiful human being and such an incredible musician and always so wonderful and generous with me. So I had hoped to have him on the Bach piece and he was um, already not well enough to do that. So he recommended the trumpet player that, um, ended up being on the record, Shane Ensley from the band Kneebody, who's really great. And um, I'm so happy that connection happened. But I felt like I needed to acknowledge in some way that I had wished for Ron to be a part of this recording. And well, all, the all the encouragement that he gave me um, is, is also a part of why I did this. I made this record. Well, I want to point out that our mutual friend Grant Gordy recently posted a YouTube video of Ron Miles talking about improvisation. It's worth checking out, and I encourage our listeners just to do a Google search for that because I never knew Ron. I've only ever appreciated his music, but hearing his voice just carried so much resonance as to what a musician should look for with improvisation. We are not going to talk too much more about Ron as much as of a mentor he was to Onion and a great artist for me and for many others out there. We're going to get back to our track by track as we come to the third track of the Onion Pelter Tiller Quartet with Exactly Like You. Let's give it a listen and then come back and talk about it. Not for someone exactly like you Why should we spend money on a show or two No one loves those love scenes exactly like you You make me feel so grand I wanna hand the world to you You seem to understand He's for the scheme I'm scheming, dream I'm dreaming Now I know why mother taught me to be true she meant me for someone exactly like you
exactly like you the third track from the upcoming release dedicated dig from the enyan Pelta, excuse me the enyan pelta tiller quartet and that's coming out on monday october the 2nd over at bandcamp and you can go to bandcamp and type in dedicated dig or you can go to enyan violin and that's e-n-i-o-n violin enyanviolin.com and it'll take you right to the bandcamp page and you've got that up as digital download will it be available on cd down the road or yes i'll actually i'll make it available on cd probably within the month um there is some delays in production that maybe you know just hedging my bets and not putting it up there on cd yet but um yeah cds physical cds will be available um and then it will be available streaming on all platforms in two months in in december and that brings me the chance to bring up why you should purchase things on bandcamp first of all is Three weeks out of the month, 90, I think it's 93% of the money goes right to the artist. And on first Fridays, which in October will be October 6th here in 2023, 100% of the money goes right to the artist. Because as I'm sure many of us have heard, streaming royalties versus Bandcamp royalties, I mean, there's no comparison. And so a great way to make sure that artists can keep doing what they're doing so that we as listeners can appreciate it is to purchase their music. Doesn't matter how many times you stream it on one of the platforms, it's never going to add up to buying what one album purchased at Bandcamp would do. So head over to Bandcamp and pre-order it like I've done. And in fact, I'm making mine a gift to someone to make sure that they can then keep carrying that on so get one for yourself and then get one for another person and you're supporting great artists such as onion well onion let's now actually get into why i played exactly like you well that's another tune that's been with me um for a long time and when i was fairly young (laughs) this is a funny story my parents um my parents for whatever reason they got the movie eating raul um look it up if you're not familiar (laughs) on on video and we watched it and um it's not like the most appropriate movie for whatever i was 10 year old 11 year old (laughs) but and i think i think i was probably shell-shocked a little bit so all I really recalled about the movie was the end credit song, which is exactly like you. And like, it's just such a happy, cheery, wonderful, loving piece of music um, in such great contrast to that film. <laughs> and I sort of like, I just thought of it quite often and um you know, when I was a kid, I didn't, I was in, in a choir, but after a while I stopped that and didn't sing a whole lot. But when I would sing, I would sing that. Um, 
and it's become when I play around with uh, Django jazz outfits, it's definitely, it's one of my signature songs that I like to do. Um, and there's some beautiful versions out there. I took some, in, a little bit of inspiration from um, the Oscar Peterson recording of this tune. Um, I'd have to look up the album that it was on. Um, but also I just, I sort of came up with a creative reharmonization that's a, a little bit darker to kind of reference my experience with Dune. Well, I'm curious, obviously we have nine tracks on here. Had you just mentally been thinking of tunes that one day you would always love to record or had you kept a list and over the years you just had it there and then when you came up with the idea in january of 2020 to do this just go to that list i think it was it was more more of a mental list than a physical list there i i just have had i've had these tunes that are just near and dear to my heart than others because I have such a long history with them. So I sort of set out on this with the idea that it would be a, a dig into my musical past and, you know, in large part songs that my parents gave me. So for the most part, that's what these are. Um, and I came up with that that list kind of on that morning that I sat down, but they're all tunes that I just have thought of often. And when I'm playing by myself, we'll often just improvise on because they're favorite melodies or they have some emotional association. Well, speaking of improvising, we're coming up to improvisation number three. The only Peace on the record with no improvisation from from us. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this one. So um, I I believe it is on the record called Dangology that this piece was recorded, and this is actually improvisation number three, part two, because there are a couple iterations of it. This is. Um, Django solo improvising on a theme that he came up with. Um, there are, I think, at least seven of these released on recordings. They're all wonderful. Like just the, um, the harmonic ideas and the counterpoint that he includes and the, the sheer like sense of development, the way that he takes these simple themes that he comes up with and really turns them into pieces that have uh, a progression through many different places while still remaining true to the theme is, is pretty incredible to me. So I've always, I've always loved all of them, but the improvisation number three, part two, um, I think it's like the only thing I've ever tried to learn how to play on guitar again, when I was pretty young, <laughs> And I don't, I don't actually even know if it was a favorite of my dad's on that record, but that was always the song that I waited for when, when that record was put on. Wow. It's just it's such a beautiful evocative melody. Mm -hmm. 
improvisation number three from the Enyan Pelted Teller Quartet. And I should mention we are listening right now to the String Quartet, which is Enyan Pelted Teller on five and six string violin. Daryl Anger on five string octave mandolin. Oh, excuse me, violin. <laughs> uh, Coleman Smith on five-string violin and Joy Adams on cello. And in fact, there's some vocals from Enyan as well. And we are going track by track, as I said, and we're going to get to the swing quartet in just a bit. So I hope everyone stays tuned. Now, your mom, of course, we talked about how you would play as a busking trio. What was your mother's instrument? So she played, initially, uh, she played flute, and then she actually got into um, jazz saxophone and studied that for eight years, also at the music, Community Music Center. But when we played together, it was largely Irish tunes. Okay. So was your father doing Irish guitar and your mother flute? So he played, um, he played standard guitar and mandolin on the irish tunes okay. but he also plays um he also plays like slide guitar and plays a lot of blues and stuff gotcha. like that and has beautiful chord melody arrangements of jazz yeah. tunes and were you sharing these tunes before they were ready to release to the world to your parents individually or were you making them wait like the rest of us for four <laughs> years <laughs> they got they got some sneak previews Okay, but I I was sort of on the fence about that because it is you know it is a gift to them in a way. So it's like ah, might be nice to like surprise them with this. But then it took me a little while to get it out into the world after it was recorded. So I figured they should they should hear. So they've heard like the unmixed versions and things like that. Well, they're going to get to hear the entire album very soon because it comes out October second dedicated dig from the onion pelta tiller quartet and we're coming up to replace it all let's give it a listen and then come back and chat about it
replace it all from the NN Onion Pelta Tiller Quartet from an upcoming release, Dedicated Dig, out October 2nd on Bandcamp. Well, that's got a whole different sound to it. How did yes, you it does. arrange that one? <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the outlier on the record. Um, when I called Daryl Anger up and asked him to be a part of this project, um, it was a very natural thing to offer to ask him if he would um, contribute one of his compositions or arrangements. And he sent me a couple, and while some of them were more aligned with the type of music that is on this record, with more aligned with jazz and swing music, which I love his approach to that so much, uh, this, one, this one kind of sparkled for me. Um, because it's so different and it's such a great expression of Daryl's musical character. And of course, it's, um, he wrote it with Keith Richards in mind. <laughs> I don't even know if I should say this. <laughs> he wrote it with Keith, Keith Richards in mind. And of course, Keith Richards was a big Django fan. So in that sort of, you know, two degrees of separation, way it is related um but yeah I, I just i felt like having something out of left field but that still really utilized the string quartet in this beautiful way and brought in a little bit of my own folk influences and so much of daryl's personality would be great to have on the record well, we're talking about Daryl, and I just want to point out, both of us, of course, we already know that you're a long-time fan, and my listeners know I love Daryl to death, but a group he's playing with right now, Mr. Sun, is getting ready to release their rendition of Ellington's Nutcracker. Done. Well, they, in fact, they just performed it live, but they'll be releasing that in December. So while you're over at Bandcamp, Ordering or pre-ordering Enion's album, depending on when you do it, you can also order that from Mr. Sun. And I think it, in fact, I can say definitively, it gets two thumbs up from both of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, whatever it's so far, is really good. So we are coming up now to the Swing Quartet with Sinfonia number eight in f major bwv 779 so we are moving on to the sounds of enyan david tiller on guitar grant gordy another member of mr sun eric tureen and special appearances by shane ensley on trumpet and hey daryl anger again on that five string octave violin so let's listen to Symphonia number eight and then come back.
from the new album, Dedicated Dig, from the Enyan Pelta Tiller Quartet. That was the string quartet performing. I'm going to let you say the whole title because I don't think I have enough breath in me. All right. It's Symphonia Number no. 8 in F Major, BWV 779 by J.S. Bach. Yeah, and this is this piece is actually maybe not one of those that I grew up with so much. Um, I do love it. I love I love the Glenn Gould recording of this because it grooves so hard, and that's one of my favorite things that people can do with Bach is you know if, without necessarily making him swing, but making his music groove. And I have this sort of sense of propulsion. Um, and I I was initially thinking that I might arrange one of the violin sonatas and partitas for the group, but um, I didn't want to make too much work for myself. Maybe I'll do that in the future. And so um, the the symphonias, the, in, the three-part inventions are, you know, it's kind of done for you. Um, <laughs> again, like Calcutta Cutie. So the second half of the record, I wanted to be, I wanted to, I wanted it to be easy. Um, there's another, another way in which Django's music and recording process, um, was inspirational in this was that, I mean, by, of necessity, the, a hot club quintet of the hot club of France. Um, you know, they did everything in just a couple of takes all in one room. And so I wanted everything on this record to be done that way and to have it be music that was easy to do that way. So, um, of the three part inventions, this one seemed like it would be the most fun to do with the, sort of more jazz group and um it, yeah it felt like it would be just really really easy and comfortable to present and record in that way now enyan were those of us who are ordering this in advance or when it comes out on october 2nd over at Bandcamp, is there any talk of doing any kind of tour whether online or live performances i've been thinking about that i because of my current activities and those of people involved in the group um you know Troy adams has things going on with her band big, big richard um they're really taking off and daryl's been so busy with the ellington performances and i've been busy with school um so it's not going to happen this fall, but I'm planning to to do a vinyl release at some point, hopefully next year. And I, I will at least do a release show in conjunction with that, um, well, if not a tour. If you do one big show, I hope if you do it out in Colorado, for those who can't fly out, that maybe you'll be able to get the camera set up and folks can make their purchase and watch it live. No, that's, that's one thing the pandemic year has given us, right? 
<laughs> Absolutely. I know folks that don't go out to concerts, but they'll pay and they'll sit there at home and watch them. So it's a whole new way to enjoy concerts if you can't get out and see them actually at the venues. So wonderful opportunities. I guess we can thank COVID for something. Right. Well, we're coming up to the seventh track. Caperucita. Yeah. So this is my dad had this record called like I think it was Masters of the Hawaiian Steel Guitar and it was sort of a it was a compilation album I think put out in the 60s um, of different uh, I guess slack key guitar groups mostly playing Hawaiian music this tune was um, was an outlier on that album the the original composer of the tune was Alfonso um, Esparza Ote, but the group that played it on the record, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to look at, look that up for you and send it to you. Okay. <laughs> um, but now I mentioned earlier that my dad plays slide guitar, so this was one that he just he played all the time, um, and in my solo busking days back in the New York subway. I sort of did the same thing. I came up with a kind of a solo violin arrangement of it. Um, it's just such a beautiful melody. And, you know, I don't know, it's hard, it's very hard to find information or even um, any other recordings of this piece of music. But I know that Caperucita does in Mexico refer to Little Red Riding Hood. Um, so I'm imagining that in some way this piece of music is about Little Red Riding Hood as well, because there are songs by the same name with lyrics that are about that story.
That was Caparacita from the Enyan Peltatiller Quartet's upcoming release, Dedicated Dig, out October 2nd over at Bandcamp. And you can actually go to Enyan Violin, that's E-N-I-O-N, violin.com, and it'll take you right to the Bandcamp page. And of course, we have a link up at our own website to take you there as well. So let, let, let's just get back to chatting a little more about Caparacita. So this is, um, as I said, this is a Mexican tune that was included on a collection of Hawaiian steel guitar classics that was put out in the, 50, uh, the 60s. And um, I had, I just sort of imagined this as a beautiful feature for David's mandolin. Um, another sort of something that takes this away from being such a, a rigidly swing album in the first place as it is a folkier piece a waltz and um just a yeah a beautiful place to enjoy david's mandolin playing and on this record for those who may not know just david earlier we talked about Enyan's partner in life and music, that's David Tiller. In the Swing Quartet, Enyan, Grant Gordy, Eric Tureen, with special appearances by Shane Ensley and Daryl Anger. And for those who say, hey, Eric Tureen, I know that name. Of course, the Matt Flinner Court, the Matt Flinner Trio was out there for a long time, but he's a like Ron Miles, I think of him as one of those Colorado institutions. That is, yeah, exactly. Eric is, and he's he's one of my favorite people um, in the state of Colorado or anywhere. He's such a wonderful bass player to play with. He's got this just beautifully grounding presence. Let's talk about Eric a little bit more, if you don't mind. and. I'm curious, did I hear him? Well, of course I did. In the first track, Symphonia Number no. 8, Eric has a, def- a distinctive bass sound to me and, and one that I can always appreciate. Yes, yeah, so um, Eric actually was my partner in arranging this one. Um, I, I sort of wrestled with it on my own. And then called him up and and asked him if he would try his hand at harmonizing and arranging in a swing style this piece of music. Um, I sent him what I had done so far, and he sort of picked up where I left off and helped me finish the arrangement. Because, yeah, he's he's just has such a brilliant sense of harmony as – being a bass player, you you would hope. (laughs) And um, yeah, I I couldn't, I mean, this whole second half of the record, I couldn't really imagine without Eric. He was definitely the only thought that I had for bass on this. (laughs) But I love, I love what he did with the tune. It's, I think it's really fun. Well, it's another reason for folks to make sure you head over to Bandcamp and pick up an advanced copy or the album if you're listening to this, if it's already come out. 
on October 2nd. And after you're done listening, click on that purchase now and then purchase it as gifts for everyone you know. So we're moving on to the eighth track, Si Tu Save. Si Tu Save is a, uh, it's a French song by a, actually a Swedish transplant to Paris back in the 1920s, I guess uh, this fellow Georges Almer. And his song, Si Tu Save, Si Tu Save, was quite popular at the time. It's a, it's a really pathetic song, man. If you, <laughs> if you translate the lyrics, sort of, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking, but you also, you want the, the character that's speaking to kind of get over it. Um, now, C2 Save, is that if you knew, I'm trying to remember. If you only knew, if you only knew how much I've been crying since you left, then you would come back. <laughs> it's sort of the gist of it. So there's, there's a lot psychologically to unpack there. But um, Django Reinhardt began playing this as an instrumental. Um, again, I'd have to look up which recording that was on. But since that time, it's become a standard as an instrumental in the, the Django jazz world. And um, I first ran across it in the sort of modern iteration on this bootleg that was circulating of a bunch of like it's Django's, you know, nephews and cousins and other descendants and people in the modern European Roma community that play Django jazz. Um, and was my, my interest in the tune was sort of re-sparked by hearing that. Um, so I loved playing it as an instrumental. And then I sort of, because I enjoy singing in other languages, I thought it would be really fun to have this one be the, the featured French song because, you know, Django jazz is, it's French jazz. So you've got to do, you've got to do songs in French. So this was the one. <laughs>
combien je pleurais Si tu savais comme tout a changé Save from the Enyan Peltatiller Quartet's upcoming release, Dedicated Dig. So this is a, it's a very simple pared down arrangement. Um, uh, just my, my voice. I think, I think there's only one solo on there. Um, yeah, we just, we decided to keep it simple and straightforward. I actually, um, a bit about the recording process. I actually ended up using my scratch vocal on this, which I never do. But <laughs> I was really finding that mood at that time, and I'm I'm happy with how it came out. Yeah, it's just pretty simple, straightforward treatment of this heartbreaking song. Well, those just tuning in, we're doing a track by track of the new album, Dedicated Dig, from the Onion Peltatiller Quartet. That's out. October 2nd over on Bandcamp and we've gone through the first eight tracks and we're coming up on the final one Skidoo Saves Face so one thing that you'll get if you purchase the CD version of this or when the vinyl eventually happens the vinyl version that you will not get from the digital version is that these two tracks Situ Save and Skidoo Saves Face run together um because they're different versions of each other. So, um, you know, tricks that you can do with a physical piece of recorded media as opposed to individual digital tracks. But um, one tradition in jazz is the writing of the contrafact. Like many of Django's compositions are based on the changes to I've Got Rhythm. Um, it's, you know, Hundreds and hundreds of jazz tunes have been written on the chord changes of other tunes. So that's what this is. Skidoo Saves Face is a contrafact on CT7A. Much faster in tempo. Um, some 
creative reharmonizations and even shifting of harmonic rhythm and how long each section goes on. But it was definitely very much written with the other tune in mind. And the title is sort of a, it's a provision of C.T. Save. And it's sort of, I don't know, it's um, my in, in concept, me suggesting that the narrator of C.T. Save might save face if they skidoo, if they got out of there, instead of hanging around moaning about <laughs> how heartbroken they are. So that's, a, that's the story on that one. Thank you. 
the ninth and final track on this digital download of Dedicated Dig from the Enyan Peltatiller Quartet coming out October 2nd. But if you're buying this on CD or vinyl down the road, that's the final track, which is also a part of Cita Save. So depending on when you're picking up this great recording, you may have nine tracks. You may have eight. Well, there's, it's still nine tracks. Oh, they okay. Just, just roll. They in. run together. Okay. I gotcha. In terms of the listening experience. Well, Enyan, I mentioned half of Mr. Sun being in this album, and I mentioned his name, but let's talk about Grant Gordy, another artist. Turns out I had seen numerous times with the David Grisman Quartet, but it wasn't until January of 2013 that I got to meet Grant. And how did you know Grant was right for this recording? Um, Grant is Grant's one of my other favorite humans. And admittedly, I have several, but Grant is definitely pretty pretty up there um, i've known grant for gosh like 17 years at least now and we've played together a whole lot in various projects and um i really i enjoy the way that grant plays jazz and particularly his approach to django style jazz um i think they're, you know, the more more traditional guitarists in the style that I could have called up, but just Grant's musical spirit and energy and his creativity in any musical style is so great and so dear to my heart. So um, it's uh, this record also, as well as being a, a dedication to my parents, was also meant to be something I got to make with my friends. And so that's what it is as well. And Grant's definitely a part of that. Well, one of the things I love about Grant is he's the first to say he's not the fastest guitar player, but he tries to make every note count. And that is so true with not only, but every artist you're hearing on this great new album, Dedicated Dig. Every note counts, sometimes fast, sometimes slow, but it's a beautiful album. And Enyan, thank you so much for arranging this and sharing this with us with the world. Well, thank you so much for having me and having me come in and talk about it. Um, I'm I'm really excited to get it out there. Yeah, well, I remember when you first kind of hinted at it on social media, I my ears pricked up and I've been kind of waiting to hear. And then when you said, okay, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, just... couldn't wait any longer. I know yeah. there's, you know, particular ways that one is supposed to do these things. And I don't know. It just felt like time to get it out there. <laughs> and folks can pick up a copy over at Bandcamp. Again, Enyon Violin, that's E-N-I-O-N Violin, EnyonViolin.com. We'll take you right there, and we'll make sure we get you there from our own page as well. Well, Enyon, it's been so long since you've been to the East Coast, but when it does happen, I look forward to getting you back here in studio with us. Likewise, I look forward to coming back. Thank you so much, Peter. Oh, hey, Enyon. 
I forgot to ask you about Shane Ensley. Can before you take off, can you tell me a little bit about Shane? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, um, when Ron Miles was not well enough to be on this recording, he recommended Shane. He's he knew since a very young age. Shane grew up in Denver and um his father was a great trumpet player and one of the preeminent educators um, in Denver. And so Ron recommended Shane and I uh, called him up and said, hey, I'm doing this record and I'm also doing this concert before it to get us warmed up for the studio. Would you be a part of it? I just, just need you at one tune. And um, so he agreed. And we, we first met at the first rehearsal um, for the, the swing quartet portion of the album, uh, which I think was like the day before the concert. And, you know, he came in and totally nailed it. He's an incredible musician. Like, really, it's been a tremendous honor to work with him. But at that, at that concert, um, you know, he ended up sitting in for a bunch of the other music that we played and um i think it was uh evening prayer blues we threw on the end of the show which maybe i'll release as a little bonus track at some point um which is a bill monroe tune that daryl arranged and that brought he brought in so we could have some other things to play on the concert and shane sounded so amazing on this old bluegrass tune and earlier we had been talking he said yeah i've been trying to learn some old time fiddle tunes um because that's been a fascination of jazz players around here and so he sounded so great on that after the concert i went up to him and i said you know we should get together and play tunes sometime so we started doing that and we've actually got a uh, a little side project with me and him and david and a couple other great musicians from around here um, messing up old time tunes, mix them up with jazz um, that we call Natural Bridge, which probably talking to someone from Virginia is like a pretty funny yeah. <laughs> name because you know, you know, Larry Keel used that name for years. <laughs> and it's the name of like every fifth landmark in that part <laughs> of the country. <laughs> but it was like, it was the only name for that project. So, um, yeah, through through Ron's recommendation and through this album, um, David and I have gotten to know Shane and his family and they've become some of our favorite folks here in Denver and really wonderful people to make music with. I actually, I make music with Shane's wife, Kelly, who's a beautiful singer now too. So it just opened up this whole world of community that wasn't there before. Well, it's always wonderful to hear a horn in a more folk or bluegrass and you know, and they're, sax players like eddie barbash out there yeah, doing their thing and, and of course now it's another name for us to all keep an ear out for that's shane ensley and you can hear shane on this new album dedicated dig from the enyan pelted tiller quartet all right enyan i will really let you go this time thanks <laughs> thank you so much peter really appreciate you having me a pleasure to chat